Good morning, El Paso Bible Church. Good morning. Is everyone doing good this morning? Okay, so-so. All right, well, it's good to see you, and welcome to uh, our Sunday morning service. I do have a few announcements before we uh, read Scripture and have our time of worship. Uh, there is a Vacation Bible School coming up uh, June the 12th through 16th. I believe uh, Priscilla is still looking for volunteers, uh, so go ahead and look for that stand out in the lobby. Uh, we have a Vacation Bible School uh, poster there uh, with Keepers of the Kingdom. That's the title this year. And also, if you have children, uh, please go ahead and start registering them now. The registration forms are out there. Uh, also, movie night for the adults. It was postponed, and we are going to announce a new date here pretty soon. Last but not least, we have a Triple B uh, Pig Roast, which stands for uh, Bibles, Beef, and Brews. This is for the men, men only, May 20th at 6 p.m. And men, you're welcome to bring your children as well. Um, actually, last but not least, uh, we do have uh, memorial service for our uh, dear brother, Steve Myers, um, this coming Friday, May 5th at 1 p.m. And it's going to be here at the church. Uh, if you're available, we'd, we'd love to see you there. And uh, we, we, we grieve, right? We are saddened by, uh, by this loss, but we also rejoice that he is home with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am reading uh, Psalms chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is awesome to know that God, the Lord, is our shepherd, and he, he guides us. And for this, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your guidance, for your grace. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come together as your body to worship you. And we ask that we may lift your name on high, that we would bring glory to your name. That you encourage us through the teaching of your word. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Would you stand with us for a time of worship? Oh, my God. 
breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings you know this sing it out this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you laid down your life that I would be set free Jesus I sing Back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be
kindness of your heart, the kindness of your heart, never fading in the night, in your presence I will find the kindness of your heart, the kindness of your song, huh? Talk about the goodness of God. The fact is that God is good always. He's good when times are good for us. And he's also good when times are not so good. He remains being a good God. 
This next song is fairly simple. I'll sing the chorus for you right quick so you could learn it. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, easy enough. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, it's my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, it's my This is your part, church. You are You are good, good. You are good, good. You are good, good. Let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sail.
That alone, you know, should encourage us as we move forward. This morning, you know, as we begin our service, um, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. You know, I don't know if you've read the book of Nehemiah, but that book is a very encouraging work, a very encouraging uh, book. And so, we're going to see a lot of things about Nehemiah this morning that can be applied to our own lives because of the fact that we serve a risen Savior. We serve Him. And He teaches us how to serve Him. Because this is what God wants from us. You know, and if the Scripture says that we love one another because He first loved us, then and we love him because he first loved us. We're going to see qualities in Nehemiah that hopefully we aspire to. Not only the young, but also us that are old. I'm not old. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just saying. I'm not old. And I don't feel old. So, But anyway, um, before we begin, let's pray. Our Father God, we're so grateful that you're present among us, your spirit is. Father, we thank you for all that you provide, all that you give, even to this body and individually. And Father, we've had so much to pray for so many times this, this past year, Lord. Not just, we know what we've been praying for, Father, and this morning, we just um, extend our condolences to the Meyer family in the passing away of our brother Steve. The trials, Father, that you give us are ones that we can learn from. And even Nehemiah teaches us that. And so, Father, you ask us that in service that we persevere. And we're going to see that this morning. And so, Father, I just lift up the name of Jesus as we look into your word. And as we just show us, Lord, how good a father you are to us. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever read the book of Nehemiah? I hope you have. One of my favorite books. I had an opportunity to, to 
preached out of the Nehemiah, what, 30 years ago? Something like that? I've been coming, we've been coming here in Hawaii for many years here at Pastor Bible Church, and we've served here in this body. And at that time, that church was going through a split. And this book encouraged them because it, it not only talks about the character of Nehemiah, but also of unity. And how God can bring a people together to serve him. And so I hope that this morning that is an encouragement to you. As we, we're not going to read the whole book because you don't have, you don't have, you don't have enough time. Maybe in, the days of, of maybe in the days of Paul, you know, when he preached from morning to night. Eh, maybe, but not, not today. We're just going to go through some passages this morning. I want to start with a question, first of all. Very simple question. And you don't have to answer. It's something that you can contemplate in your heart. My question is this. Do you love God? Okay. And I know that if I was to ask everyone individually here, do you love God? And if the answer is yes, I would get that many different kinds of answers. And many are here. And like I mentioned earlier, you see, one of the things that we're going to see that motivated um, Nehemiah was passion. And so if you say yes this morning to that question, beloved, if he's yes, I hope you remember the scripture that says in 1 John 4, 19, that we love him because he first loved us. What a very simple but basic point that God gives us here. He first loved us. And this is what the whole scripture is about. The Bible is the whole scripture is about how God loved us. How God loves his people. And what he does to motivate us to serve us. I don't, know if you, every, I don't know if you believe this, but every one of you has specific gifts that God has given you if you believe in Christ this morning. Specific gifts. Paul mentions that in 1 Corinthians. Where he says that we are a body consisting of different parts. Each one specific for the service of God. But in order to be able to Effectually serve God, we have to be available to God. Isn't that true? We have to make our seats available. And probably you've been praying about how you can serve God. And if he hasn't answered, keep praying. What you're going to see in this passage is exactly what Nehemiah does. What he's confronted with a situation with a problem that he was passionate about. You see? A situation that arose in the land while they were in captivity. While Israel had been taken captive. While they were under the rule of Babylon. And Nehemiah was there. 
Actually, he was in, in another place, but we'll see a little bit more about that because, you see, it is the, this passion that enables an ordinary layperson like you and I to be able to serve God. If you don't have a passion for the Word, then I, got, I have to say this, that our service, if, I'm, if I don't get passionate about the Word, my service is going to be mediocre to God. Yes, we can serve Him, but it can be mediocre. Not to the full extent. Not to the full extent. And we have seen people here in this body that have given themselves over to God to serve. And we can see the results. You can see the results of these people that serve God, that are passionate about serving God. You see, because God can establish a tremendous work through you. And as I just mentioned, one of the greatest examples of of these gifts being exemplified is through Nehemiah and the examples of leadership. You know, in this day and age, there's so many people that talk about role models. You know, when we look to the wrong places for role models, and then all of a sudden we're disappointed because our role models fail. So if you put your faith in a role model here on this earth, it's always going to fail. See? But Nehemiah did not. He put his passion, his faith, in a perfect role model, and that is God. That was God. That was his role model. You're gonna, I hope like, we'll see that this morning. You see? Because he was a, not only a great leader, but also a witness of a gift that God gave him in administration. You've heard our pastor say, hey, you know, he's our pastor, he does all this, but he's not good at administration. Well, I raise my hand to that too, okay? Because it is a special gift, very special gift. And we have experienced that special gift here at Paso Bible Church in those that have served, you see. So in my opinion, I think Nehemiah exemplifies one of the greatest examples of leadership in the scripture. A common, one commentary that I was reading, it was uh, from the Wycliffe Bible commentary, says this, Nehemiah, let me my glasses, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I am old, huh? <laughs> I need my reading glasses now. Nehemiah is often used as an example of effective leadership. First he had a vision, notice this, first he had a vision of a goal to be achieved. After analyzing the problem, he decided on a proper course of action. Then he motivated others to share his vision and to become actively involved. Next, we see him delegating authority and assigning tasks. He supervised the work and checked in, checked on the performance until the project was satisfactorily completed. That's a perfect example of a leadership, of a leader. Excuse me, I have a habit. Put my glasses on with that. Anyway, I think it's a perfect example what this, this commentator is writing about. Um, but in order to understand Nehemiah, sometimes we have to go further than that specific book. And in this case, we have to because Ezra is a complementary book to Nehemiah. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah were originally labeled as Ezra 1 and Ezra 2. But it had been changed to the name of Nehemiah because properly so because he, it, it, it seems like he's talking to the first person here 
about himself. Okay? Nehemiah. And so, as we look into this, into, into Ezra, just as a little bit of background, to understand more of Nehemiah, we might look, like I said, in the book of Ezra, because it mentions a heathen Persian king by the name of Cyrus. According to Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 4, God used him to accomplish his divine will. Isn't that amazing? That God not only uses believers, but he will also use those that don't know him to accomplish his will. And we see that throughout the whole scripture. And in this case, he's using heathen kings to accomplish his purpose. You see, it was this king that allowed Zerubbabel to leave Babylon, to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And about 50,000 people left with, uh, with um, Zerubbabel return. And at that time, the king of, of Babylon was Nebuchadnezzar, who had destroyed the city of Babylon and taken the Jewish people into captivity. And it was around the 5th century B.C., and so the king gave Zerubbabel vessels that were used in the temple worship to take back with him. You see, when, when Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was raided. And the, and, the, and the vessels were confiscated and were taken back to Babylon. And so this king took these vessels out of the places of worship to idols and gave them back to Zerubbabel to take back to Jerusalem and to be placed back into the worship temple. See, the purpose that Zerubbabel ventured back to Jerusalem was to rebuild the Jewish worship temple. And while they were there, they built the foundation, which is the very basic and the most important thing of the temple. And they also began to build the walls of the temple. But the construction was interrupted. And you know, I'm in the construction business, and one of the worst things that can happen is to stop construction. Okay. But this happened to them. You see, if you understand anything about the temple, it was a place of worship. It was a place where people would, would join together and unite to serve the living God. You see. But through the pro- prophesying and prayers of Haggai, Zechariah, and even the elders, the temple was rebuilt and godly worship was restored. But this was, for, but this was foremost completed by the command of God. God allowed it. See, and for many years, the temple had laid ruined. But then Zerubbabel wanted to go back and he had a passion to rebuild that temple. And God provided for him. See, even the kings, as heathen kings, God used to accomplish his purpose. And so now the Jewish people were able to fulfill the religious rites and feasts before God. Think about it. What would happen if this building was destroyed? You know? The fellowship would be more difficult. The fellowship with one another, the worship with God. Even though we know we can serve God, we can worship him individually, but yet God decides that we, as a, we should be a body worshiping together, be united 
And so this is one of the things that the Jews needed as a, as a people, as a nation. See, they could continue in these feasts and, ser- and, and serving God. See, but when we leave things up to humanity, humanity goes the wrong way most of the time when left alone. And the people there, they became sinful. And then Ezra found out. And so the first thing he did also was enter into prayer. He went into prayer for the people. But you know what he did in this prayer? He made a confession. A confession that included himself. He didn't exclude himself from the people, even though they were the ones sinning, but because he was part of the body, the, 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 the Jewish people, he included himself that he had sinned as well. And God said when the people repent, he will bless. You see? And so we see here that on the skirts of that, we're going to visit Nehemiah. And again, Nehemiah was just an ordinary person. He was not a priest. He was not a king. Just an ordinary Israelite that was burdened by a specific issue that had arisen. You see? He loved God. And there was a message that was brought to him, and he was burdened, you might say, by the state of the union. The people were in disarray once again. Even though the temple was built, it was, it was in disarray. And so we see that God put in his heart to go back to Jerusalem to plead with the king that he was under. You know, Nehemiah served under King Artaxerxes. Say that three times. Okay? King Artaxerxes. He served under him. As a matter of fact, he was a very, you know, might say his confidant. And we'll see that. The king had a lot of confidence in Nehemiah. And it wasn't by accident either. Okay? And one day that he said, you know, you, come and come. No. He served God. He loved God with a passion. And God made a provision to be able to be in that place at the right time. You see? And he was, and in the Corinthian scripture, he was used of God. See? As long as the city was in disarray, Nehemiah began to pray. That was his first and only option that he had as far as he was concerned. Because the temple walls had still were torn down. They were torn down. And to to the Jewish people, that meant protection. That meant God was there. It was a testimony, not only to them, but also to the surrounding nations of the living God and the God that they served. But as soon as the walls were down, the surrounding nations began to try to influence the Jewish people in their ways, in their lives, in the way they lived. 
because now they have free access to the whole city. And many people followed their ways. And this is one of the conditions that caused disarray in, in Jerusalem. I mean, yes, in Jerusalem. And so, as long as the wall remained in ruins, it became a reproach to the Jews. A reproach. Because they were subject to mockery and interference by surrounding nations. And this burdened, burdened Nehemiah. And so we know from the scripture that God had chosen the right person for the right job. In service, God will provide, won't he? God will provide. Is it you? Is it you? You will never know until you serve, begin to serve him. I've heard it said that you cannot move a steer, a parked car. Can't. See? We need to make ourselves available to God or to Christ for service. And Nehemiah was there, ready to take on a great task. And so we see that um, in this book, even through the name of Nehemiah, which means God comforts. Isn't that amazing how sometimes names fit right along with the message or the situation? He was a patriot. He was a man of action. He was a man of courage that persevered. Most of all, he was a man of prayer. Prayer. And like I mentioned earlier, he was not a king. He was not a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He was just an ordinary person like you and I. You see, but we may have to make ourselves available to him. And one of the things that separated him from a lot of people is the fact that when he fought his battles, he fought his battles on his knees. On his knees. In supplication, in prayer to God. I found this interesting as a side note. In the New Testament, you know the brother of James? I mean the brother of Jesus, James? He was known as camel knees. Camel knees. Have you ever seen a camel's knee? Gosh, it is, you know, it's rough. It's not very pretty looking, okay? And it wasn't because he was deformed. It was because he was known to always breathe on his knees praying. And that was so interesting to me, that he was known as that, you see? It was an indication of his approach to life struggles. How do we handle our struggles? And that's important to know, but, you know, the only way to know is to be there, to do it. I want to borrow a cliche, but I'm going to say this. Just do it. Okay? 
Just do it. Prayer accomplishes much. Even the Bible says, the prayer of a faithful man availeth much. It does. And these men of old, the old knew this. And I, and I guess that's why I, if you notice that when I, I'm up here preaching or talking to you, I like to go to the Old Testament. They're wonderful examples of how we as believers can serve God and how God used them and what he accomplished through them to serve him. Wonderful examples. You know, in this book alone, he's mentioned to have been in prayer 12 times. I don't know if there's any other book that even comes close to that. It shows the individual on his knees serving God in that fashion. And the first time is going to be mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 4. And um, we see that he immediately begins to, to, do, to do that, you see. And one of the characters, qualities that is displayed here in the book of Nehemiah is that he was passionate for God and his people. He was passionate for that. He had a prayer life. Very effectual one. He had planning skills that got used. Not only that, in times of trouble, in times of tribulation, he showed perseverance. God tells us to put on several things. One of the things he says, and with this, put on perseverance. Put on. Use it. Use it. Allow perseverance to be a part of your life. I hate to say this, but too many times in this times that we live in, people just completely will just quit. That's it. If something goes a little bit wrong, it goes sideways, I quit. I'm out of here. And that's unfortunate. But that should not be a, something that a believer needs to do. He needs to persevere. Because as long as we persevere, then we know that God is still working with us. And we're going to depend on him. And we're going to follow his will. And he's going to strengthen us and provide like he, like he promised us. So anyway, let's just look at some of the words of Nehemiah here real quickly in, in the first four verses here in Nehemiah. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was that when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before God, the God of heaven. And when you read the, the rest of the passages in chapter 1, there from verses 5 to 12, we'll see his prayer. You'll see his prayer. He talks about a particular time that this happened. Any, 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 any uh, 
follows the Jewish calendar there in Chislev, and really that, that kind of re- relates to November, December time of the year when this happened or this occurred. And he says, I was, I was in Shushan, the citadel. He was a man that the king was very confident of. His convivial partner, and the word convivial means to be one of jolly, one of happiness before him all the time, encouraging him. In other words, he was an encourager to the king as well. We're going to see that he's also a cupbearer. You look at verse 12. It says, uh, for I was a king's cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer does? He puts his life on the line every day, every moment. And it was for a heathen king. Okay? Little did he know that God was going to use his position to do, accomplish a mighty work. And so, as being part of the king's court, you might say, he was with him, but he was in Shushan. Shushan and this was really a, it's a fortified palace. In other words, his winter palace. Do you have a winter palace yourself? Do you kind of retreat sometimes? I wish I did. <laughs> but you know, this is what the kings would do. They would retreat certain times. Even in the summer, they had their summer homes, you might say. And so he says, I was there when the message came on to me. And I found out that those who were, had escaped. It's interesting, it says the word escape there. Not that they secretly made a plot to leave, but the fact that in the time of Ezra, and even in this time, we'll see that the kings allowed them to go back to Israel to rebuild the city. That's kind of interesting, that a heathen king would do that to a man of God. But he was in the right place at the right time. We see another instance of that, and that was in Joseph, remember? How he was, who? Pharaoh? He was a high position, in a high position. See, God uses ungodly men to accomplish his purpose as well. And so here we see that um, the news comes to Nehemiah. Comes to Nehemiah, and I better move up. And so he says that they're survivors, of course, because they had left Jerusalem to help with the construction, and he found out that only a temple was built and the walls were in disarray, and he begins to weep. He was saddened. And we see in verses 5 through 11 where he praises God for his greatness. He, praises, he gives praise for his loyalty to his people, and he confesses his sins for both personal and national, but also reminded God of his promise to restore his people to them if they repented. Do you do that when you pray? I think the Lord's Prayer is a good example of that too, because it starts off with praise to God. Praise to God. And then it goes into the sins, doesn't it? Confession. And then, reminding God, not that he needs to be reminded, but reminding God of the promises that he's made. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Because the moment you rephrase these promises to God, it's a realization 
of the fact that the, he has made a promise to you and that he's faithful to keep that promise. And so we rely on God's faithfulness when we pray. You see, as I mentioned before, he was a wine tester, a good friend of the king, and so he would always you know, taste the wine before to make sure it was not poisoned. So that's why I mentioned he put his life on the line every moment of the time. I used to have a friend of mine that ran a restaurant. I don't know if you guys ever went to it, but it was called Taco Grill. I became a good friend of the owner because of his son. And one of the things that he would do, we'd be such good friends that he would come and he'd bring me a plate of food and he said, Ernie, taste it. Taste it. Not that it was poison, right? I hope not. I don't think he never intended that, but he tasted it. See, he wanted me to let, tell him whether he could put that food on the menu. He had that confidence in me. And I know that the king had even more confidence in Nehemiah. And Nehemiah uses that confidence to plead with the king to allow him to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, I mean the, the walls, you see. But before he did that, he was not impetuous. He, was, he took four months of prayer, the scripture says. He prayed for four months before he got the courage to approach the king. Have you ever prayed for four months continually? He did. He, was that, he felt that it was that serious. And he did. You see. And we see that in chapter 2. So he pleads with Artaxerxes to allow him to go back. And the king saw his sadness. And some, some commentaries talk about that. They say, you know what? He might have been signing his death certificate there by being having a down face before a king, especially when he was supposed to always be confident, his one that was encouraging him. He took a risk, but he did because he knew that this was serious. But I find something so very interesting. It says in verse 4 of chapter 2, Then the king said to me, What do you request? And while the king is talking to him, mind you, he says this, I prayed to the God of heaven. He's having a conversation with the king and at the same time he's praying to God. Wow. Do you think he thought that prayer was important? And that one verse right there just really stands out about Nehemiah. Try it one time. Try it if you haven't done it. It is difficult to listen, to talk, and to pray all at one time. It's hard. But it will be hard only because we don't practice it enough. That's why. Okay? So I hope it encourages us to practice even praying while we're conversing to people, especially to those that don't believe in God, which we have so many opportunities to do. I hope we take advantage of that. And so we see that um, he allows him to, 
to do that, to, to, to go ahead and go back. He took a lot of people with him. But you know what also the king did? He gave a massive amount of supplies. He gave them letters to go through the land so that people would not harass him while they were going to Jerusalem. He also did something also some, I found interesting. He gave them a letter to give to the one that was in charge of his personal forest. And he could cut down as many trees as he wanted to go back to rebuild his walls. He had great favor with the king. And I think it's because God says that if we want to find favor with man, what do we have to do? We have to pray. We have to be faithful to him. You see, in all aspects, the first thing he did was initiate prayer. You see, and he was a motivator also. He motivated the people to work with us in the same mind. He, to buy into his project. To buy into it. You know, if people don't buy into a project, you won't get the work done the way it should be done. There's going to be a lot of strife. Okay? But Nehemiah had the gift. And so... It says that the wall was built. But before the wall was built, there was a lot of opposition. And isn't there a lot of opposition to God's work everywhere? Everywhere. When there's a good work to be performed, there will be opposition. Expect it. Don't be surprised by it. Expect it. And if you expect it, expect how to respond to it. Plan it. And that's what Nehemiah did. He expected it, and he knew what he needed to do. He reached out to his divine source. To the point that even the surrounding nations began to interfere so that they would not build the wall because it would not beneficiary to them. So what does Nehemiah do? When he knew that they were planning to, to attack while they were building. He sets up sentries because he had them available. The king also sent an army back with him to protect them. That's amazing. I find all this story amazing. See? See, they were always ridiculing them and trying to destroy the progress of this building of the temple and also the walls. You see, and Nehemiah says in verse 14, there he says, 14 chapter 4, he says, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. For example, an example, fight for your livelihoods against the surrounding nations. You see, and what does God do? He thwarts these attacks. One commentator says this. Ridicule can be countered by prayer alone, but arm resistance resistance needs both prayer and physical defense. And that's so true. I believe that. There comes a time where 
it requires res physical resistance as well. And so Nehemiah's talent or Nehemiah's gift was to get the people to work with the same mind, to pray, to have an eye on the watch, and also an ear to hear. He encouraged them to do all that. Not only did he have to deal with the outside intervention, the people being subjected to so much throughout the time that he was there, and it wasn't very long, they began to show internal strife. They were looking inward then. See? And when we look inward, nothing good is going to come out. Nothing. Especially when we're serving God. And Nehemiah, again, deals with the situation in a perfect way. He devises plans and he, and to be able to overcome this. And then he prays to God also in this situation. He says, remember me, for, remember me, God, according to all that I have done, to you, done for you, or all that I have done. In other words, God will bless those that serve him. God will always bless. And in chapter 6, the whole passage there is kill the messenger. If they couldn't get to the people, they got to the messenger. Isn't that so common? You know? Kill the messenger. And so they, there was a plot to kill Nehemiah. And once again, when he heard about it, he prayed. You see? They were making false accusations before the king so they could stop and so and so. You see? But his answer to all his problems was always prayer. 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 First thing, no matter how difficult, how hard, how simple, prayer. And that's why I, I, I talk about Nehemiah as having a passion for God. Because when we have a passion for God, this is one of the first things we're going to do. We're going to get on our knees or just pray to God. And in all this chaos, in all this trouble, in all these things that happened in these passages that we of Nehemiah, it says this, and the wall was completed in 52 days. Isn't that amazing? You know how he accomplished that? He took the individual families, put them in front of the house and said, you know what? You're responsible for this part of the wall. You're responsible for this part of the wall. And you're responsible, and he got them all lined up to build the wall, and they built it in 52 days. Uh, to me, it's an amazing story. Because God used Nehemiah's gifts, talents, and everything, and, 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 and the wisdom that he had to accomplish his purpose. I know God can do great things with each and every one of you if you're, a body, if you're part of the body of Christ. And he wants to use you he wants to prosper you. See? And he wants, like I said, he wants to bless. In closing, let me read a couple of passages. If you want, you'd like to turn to Psalm 115 with me. 
It says this, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Our Father God, when we have a mind like Christ, you can accomplish great things with us. Are we willing? Are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to be blessed, waiting to be blessed? You promise special blessings to those that do that. Especially for pastors and teachers. And we do pray for our pastors. He's away with his family. Father, take care of personal business. Pray that you bring him safely. Accomplish your purpose, Father, in that situation as well. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a Savior and a hope. You call that the blessed hope when he comes back. Father, we praise you and we thank you for the example of Nehemiah that encourages all of us, Father, to remind it of the things that can be accomplished when we have a mind for you and a heart for his people. And it fulfills the first two commandments. It says, love God. The second thing, love people. And so thank you, Lord, for this time together. And pray, Father, that you will continue to bless this body and each individual part of this body to serve him, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us. We will dismiss with a song. With me in the rising sun, with me when the day is done, the kindness of your heart, the kindness of your heart, never failing in the night, in your presence I will find the kindness of your heart, the kindness of your
guys are dismissed. Have a great Sunday.